Hey everyone, and welcome back to Rice and Shine, a show looking at life through the perspective of four Asian migrant teens living in the Pacific Northwest. And in celebration of this year's Pride Month, we thought we could do a couple interviews with AAPI people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And this week we're being joined by film writer and director, Sarah Kambay-Holland. So Sarah, do you mind doing like uh, a brief introduction just to start us off? Sure, sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Sarah. My pronouns are she, her, um, and I am a queer filmmaker. Uh, I'm currently working on my feature length debut film. I've made several shorts in the past, but this is kind of my first exploration of a feature length film. Uh, it's called Egghead and Twinkie, and it's a coming of age comedy about coming out of the closet. I heard about the idea and it just, it blew my mind. Um, do you mind giving us like a quick rundown of the film just for like those who haven't heard or not the whole film, the concept rather? <laughs> yeah, for sure, no plot spoilers. Um, so Egghead and Twinkie, uh, it's a coming of age comedy about coming out of the closet and it's about these two teenage best friends uh, named Egghead and Twinkie. Uh, Twinkie is uh, Asian American and an adoptee, um, and Egghead is her nerdy guy best friend who's uh, not so secretly in love with her, but unfortunately for him, Twinkie is a lesbian, uh, and over the course of the movie, she comes out to her parents, uh, which kind of launches her on this cross-country road trip with Egghead uh, to meet this mysterious girl named BD who she's been like DMing on Instagram for many months and they're going to finally meet for the first time. So it's a coming of age story. It's a comedy and it's a road trip uh, movie and we're making it on a super tiny micro budget. Uh, and it's mainly a bunch of college kids on the crew as well. So it's definitely very like indie shoestring budget uh college kids making it happen sort of project mm -hmm. honestly I think that in itself is pretty inspirational because I don't know there's something more valuable about success when you realize what you had to do to get there so you know that's kind of how I think of it who were like your role models when you were younger and like how did they form you if you know what I mean, like, like, was there anyone in particular that, um, like, kind of shaped you to be who you are today? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. Um, definitely, I think I definitely had a lot of role models in my real life. But um, if I'm talking about, like, film influences as a filmmaker, uh, there's so many, I feel like I pull inspiration from a lot of different places, like not just film as well, but music, books, uh, my day-to-day -day life. Uh, so I guess I'd say for this film in particular, uh, I was drawing a lot of inspiration from coming of age films like uh, Juno um, or Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But then also uh, representation is so important to me. So I kind of wanted to tell a coming of age story, but from an LGBTQ Asian American lens. Um, so there's a lot of filmmakers that have inspired me, like stylistically. Um, I'd say filmmakers that are out there that are killing the game, uh, like Alice Wu, who are queer and Asian American, are also a massive inspiration to me too. Yeah, so we've heard about your inspirations for your career, what like formed you as a person, but what really inspired your film, Egghead and Twinkie? 
Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> a lot of different things. Uh, I think that I really wanted to tell, uh, an Asian American, uh, queer coming of age story just because when I was growing up, I didn't really see myself reflected in a lot of the films and TV shows that I adored. So it was really important to me to tell the stories that I needed when I was younger. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like the story has evolved uh, as I've kind of explored my own identity. Uh, so I'm mixed Asian, I'm half Japanese. And originally the character of Twinkie was written to be monoracial. Uh, and that's changed as I've kind of embraced myself. Um, so that's been interesting. I feel like it's kind of been an exploration of myself and that's kind of shaped how the films turned out. Uh, but initially the idea for the film came from uh, the fact that I had just come out to my parents uh, as bisexual and queer, uh, like a few months before I came up with the initial concept, which was originally for a short film that's now been expanded into a full length feature. Uh, and I think that coming out process, it was like so fresh in my mind and I wanted to tell it from a more comedic lens. Cause I feel like the coming out process in general is always portrayed as this really scary negative thing that can ruin your life. Uh, and obviously coming out is a difficult process and I didn't want to, you know, discount that. But at the same time, I think that there's a lot of power in being able to laugh at the things that scare us. So I wanted to be able to tell a coming of age comedy about coming out specifically. Wow, that's incredible. I really admire that you're using your talents and your skills to just amplify people's voices. I definitely agree with you. We definitely need more, um, you know, Asian American and queer representation. And I feel like you're doing an amazing job at that with your you know your film and I'm really excited to see it um but like you as an Asian American and also as a queer woman how does that affect your you know day-to-day -day life as like a filmmaker um I would be pretty confident to say that a lot of filmmakers are straight white males so um you know how does that affect you uh, yeah, you'd be correct. Historically, I would say Hollywood kind of has this rep reputation of being like this old boys club. Uh, and I'd say that that is very true if you look at kind of the history of Hollywood. Um, and even just in my my day to day life, like you were saying, uh, Egghead and Twinkie is being made uh, as my thesis film at the University of Central Florida. It's a feature film production track. Uh, and in my cohort, I'm one of two women. Uh, and I guess the only women of color in my cohort. Um, so I definitely feel like there's kind of an increased sense of, I don't know, responsibility or like, I feel like I, I, I need to tell these stories because there's a lack of representation behind the camera currently. I mean, I'm seeing that starting to change and I'm, I'm really like excited for what the future holds. But like right now as a queer Asian American, I feel like I, I need to tell these stories, not just for my younger self, but for the many other people that are out there and they feel like they don't see themselves represented on screen. That's really inspirational. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and kind of going off of like the idea that, um, you know, white people dominate this industry. How have you overcome, you know, possible discrimination that you faced in this field, you know? 
Um, honestly, I think that I've been very lucky and that most of my experiences have been very positive. Uh, I kind of had two instances that were a bit, I don't know, it was very underhanded. I feel like, because, uh, you know, it's 2021, so people aren't trying to get themselves in trouble. So I feel like people are more sneaky about the ways that, that they might try to undermine your work. Um, so I had an instance where when I first came up with the concept for Egghead and Twinkie, uh, I had somebody basically imply that I had stolen their idea because they had also written a script about a gay Asian character, which was interesting because our films were completely different genres uh, and had nothing really in common aside from the fact that they both had gay Asian protagonists. Uh, and I was like, that's interesting that you feel like there's really only one way to tell that story when there's so many ways to tell that story and so many different experiences with being both gay and Asian. So that was interesting. Uh, and then I had another experience where a filmmaker told me that uh, a straight white male filmmaker told me that I was so lucky that uh, Egghead and Twinkie as characters had just like wandered into my life and that like anyone could have written this story, but I was so lucky that I just happened to be the one to be able to, to have these characters like pop into my head. And I was like, well, I don't think that it was like an accident. I don't think that I got lucky. You know, I'm writing this story because there's so much of myself that like went into that and not just anybody could write this story. Um, so it's kind of like more underhanded things like that. Overall, I'd say I've been super lucky and I'm really grateful for a lot of the positive influences that I've had in my life. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um being Asian American obviously has its ups and downs um, and kind of going off of that, how did you accept your identity both as, you know, an Asian American woman, but also as a queer woman? I think especially as a mixed woman, like I saw your page, like I saw you and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, like she's like us, like she's mixed. She's getting stuff done. Like what an inspiration. Like, how did you come to like accept like your mixed identity and all of that? Uh, thank you so much. You guys are like super nice. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I feel like it's a, a journey for sure. Um, and there's so many, like there's so much diversity, I feel like within the Asian American community, there's no such thing as like one monolithic Asian American experience. Um, so for me with my journey, it's interesting because uh, I was actually born in Japan uh, and I lived there until I was nine. And then my family made the decision to move to Texas of all places, which is really funny because we like have no family there. So it just seemed really random. Uh, but we moved to Texas to kind of a white majority area. And I definitely think that that shaped how I viewed my race and viewed myself growing up uh, because I was surrounded by white people. So I was always ID'd as like fully Asian or like the Asian girl or just my Asian friend. Uh, so growing up, I definitely ID'd like self-IDization because that's what everybody was telling me uh, and it was only really when I got to college that I started to like be challenged on that and I guess to, to think about um, my biracial identity and also the privilege that that carries um, to be half white uh, so that's really been a journey for sure and I think it's a, like largely influenced just by like where you grow up you know if you grow up in an area with a lot of other Asian Americans, that's going to be a totally different experience than if you grew up in uh, a more white majority area. Mm -hmm. 
I really relate with you because I grew up in Idaho and Idaho, Texas, they are pretty much the same and they physically look the same too. It's very, very, very white. So um, I'm glad that there's another person um, I can kind of relate with. I feel like uh, us personally in Washington, we have a lot of Asian Americans around us. So um, we don't really, I mean, once in a while we do, but we don't really face discrimination. Um, Other than the two experiences that you mentioned, was there like a childhood experience? Um, Someone just saying a racist comment to you or just anything that happened that sort of like led you on this path of wanting to amplify Asian American voices? Oh gosh. Yeah, it was an interesting experience, I think, because, I don't know, it was just so implicit that the beauty standard was, like, blonde, blue-eyed, white girls, Um, and, like, all of the popular kids were, like, all fit that beauty standard, so there was also that kind of, like, undercurrent of never feeling like, uh, especially as a woman, I think there's a lot of pressure with like, oh, being pretty and everything, feeling like I couldn't be pretty enough or popular enough. Um, and that being Asian was like synonymous with being a nerd, which admittedly, I was definitely a huge nerd when I was younger anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, And yeah, I think it was a lot of like stuff that I look back on now and I'm like, that was definitely weird. Um, a lot of guys that like hit on me, but it was because they had like yellow fever and then they're like oh he only likes you because you're Asian and stuff like that uh which then you add queer identity on top of that and that just gets like even more uh complicated um and also stuff like uh like kids that would make racist jokes but it was interesting because it was in like a theater kid context so it's like oh we're all edgy here so like we can say stuff uh but it's all in in a joke and whatever um And that's interesting because I feel like that kind of played a role uh, in Twinkie's identity and I hit in Twinkie uh, because basically the backstory for Twinkie is that uh, like her peers, they call her Twinkie because she's basically not Asian enough. The whole thing with like being uh, yellow on the outside, white on the inside, blah, blah, blah. Um, And she basically takes that nickname and starts calling herself that as a way of like protecting herself, basically, and kind of turning the tables on on the people I made her feel like she doesn't belong. Uh, And I feel like for myself, there was a lot of like trying to act like stuff didn't hurt me or like it didn't bother me. And now I look back on it as an adult and I'm like, oof, that was, that wasn't right. You know? And I think that that's also part of uh, growing up too, is recognizing where uh, people hurt you, even if they didn't mean to. Um, So definitely, I definitely think that that shaped who I am now. And also like that sense of duty to tell um, that story for my younger self, because I definitely think it would have helped me feel like, like less alone if I had seen more of myself uh, in the media, because I cared so much about films and, and books and TV when I was younger, and I still do. And I guess, as a more final question, what is your advice to, you know, LGBTQ people of color, young women who want to be in the film industry, etc.? from your perspective as like you know someone who's made it I guess oh well um that's really sweet but I definitely have not made it by any capacity uh I am still a film student still learning this is my first feature I'm praying that it turns out the way that I want it to but you know uh it is my debut for sure 
Um, but I guess my advice would be from what I've learned so far um, would be that I think it's really easy to get intimidated out of trying uh, in this industry because there's so much that you won't know. There's so much that I still don't know. Um, and also it, it may seem like there's a lot of like barriers to entry or like obstacles in your way. Um, one of those like straight up front would be like, how do I get equipment? How do I get the money to make this happen? How do I get people on board? Um, that can all be very intimidating. So my advice would be to start with what you have. Um, for myself, I started making really, really terrible short films uh, with my siblings on my flip camera when I was like 13. Um, but I'm really glad that I started there because that taught me a lot about, well, writing scripts, um, the composition of the shots, even if the camera wasn't good, uh, editing, storytelling. And then with every project, I just kind of challenged myself to level up. Okay, let's see if we can't borrow a better camera from someone. Let's see if I can't get my friend to act in it instead of my brother. And let's like slowly kind of grow with each project. And uh, eventually that's grown into where I am now, which is uh, making my first feature. Um, and that may seem like a massive jump, but uh, a lot of the funding for the feature came from grants as well. So that's a very like practical piece of advice is that there are filmmaking grants out there, especially uh, I think now for minority filmmakers, because uh, it's historically such an uneven playing field um, that there are more opportunities coming out now. Uh, so I would say, don't get discouraged before you even can get started, start with what you have, and then just keep challenging yourself to try new things and uh, grow with each project. Wow, I got chills. <laughs> You're too nice. <laughs> yeah, I am definitely going to take that advice into account. I'm somebody who's kind of timid when it comes to trying new things because I'm kind of scared. But, you know, I guess you never know until you try. So I should probably take that advice, you know. And yeah, that just about wraps up our interview with Sarah. Uh, it was wonderful having you on the show and we're so excited to see you know your current projects and your future projects thrive which is you know really cool um and everyone listening make sure you check out Egghead and Twinkie you know the trailer if you haven't already and yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time